the seat, turned it, and sat astride it with her forearms resting across its back. I'm curious to know why a reification should want to come here, and why someone indentured to a hive mind, Erda noticed the man frown, should come here also. She looked with interest at each of them in turn, then glanced at the other passengers occupying the lander's lounge. It was clear that fear, or disgust, had cleared a wide space around the reef and his companion, and embarrassment had cast a pall over general conversation. Many of them were now trying very hard to appear not to be listening. Erlin shook her head as she focused her attention on the reef. He was no cause for disgust. He didn't stink, as reefs were popularly believed to. Nor was he any cause for fear. Some of the augmented types here in the lander could have torn him limb from limb. But to Erlin, he was a source of almost painful interest. What purpose had driven this man to want to continue functioning after his own death? I am not indentured, said the Reef's companion, then took up his drink from the table before him and sipped. Erlin turned to study him. What? she asked. I'm not indentured, he repeated succinctly putting down his drink. "'Oh, I see,' said Erlen, inspecting him. He wore jeans tucked into the hard-wearing boots of an environment suit, and a loose cloth shirt, which was open at the neck to expose a Maori tiki charm. There was no visible sign of augmentation on him, but that didn't mean he was without it. Below unruly blonde hair, his features were handsome and hawkish, and Erlen thought it likely he'd had his face restructured in the past, but long in the past, because character now showed through and had softened the aseptic beauty of the cosmetic job. In his left ear he wore a single diamond stud, which was probably his hive-link transponder. "'Were you indentured?' she asked him. Two years,' he replied, "'and those ended about twenty years ago.' Two years. That's the usual sentence for killing a hornet, isn't it?' said Erlin. The man nodded and grinned, before reaching for his drink again. Erlin observed him for a moment longer. Then curiosity drew her attention back to the man's companion. The reification was clad in a utile monofilament overall of bland grey, and he had a smooth lozenge of metal hanging from a chain around his neck. He had obviously been a heavy welder when alive. Now his muscles were stringy on his thick skeleton, his hands bony claws, and what was visible of his face, under a half-helmet augmentation, was that of a grey mummy. Erlin next studied the org. It was golden, had a cartouche inset into its surface, and had, extending from the inner side of it, and curving round under the reef's one visible eye, an irrigator fashioned in the shape of a cobra with its hood spread. The reef's eye was blue, and it seemed to be the only part of him that was remotely alive. Of course. She could see now what might have brought these two people together. The fear and disgust of the others here. Most people had yet to dispel their atavistic fear of large stinging insects, and most did not like to share the company of corpses, no matter how interesting the conversation might prove to be. More than anything else in any world, Erlin wanted something to maintain her interest. She wondered just what stories there might be here. 
Bereef dropped his glass straw back into his drink, and with slow precision he leant back. As he turned his blue eye upon her now, Erlen imagined she could hear the creaking of his neck. There came a clicking gulp from deep in his throat. Then he spoke in a surprisingly mild baritone, his words slightly out of sync with the movement of his mouth. But then Erlen thought it unlikely that his vocal cords actually generated his voice. Many would seek immortality here, he said, and deliberately tilted his head to peer at the circular blue scar on Erlen's forearm. It was an easy conversational gambit to turn attention away from himself. Erlen pretended no reaction to his words, but suddenly felt very hot and uncomfortable. The secret of Spatterjay had been out for many years, and immortality was a commodity in a buyer's market. Why did she feel guilty?